Jun wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. 81-yard reception. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson. And hand of Reese Hall. Reese Hall! Welcome back to the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. I'm your host, Zach Tao. Once again, I have Chris Kay and Andrew Katz with me. Um, we're going to talk about just really a couple suggestions thrown to us by our followers. Our, like, what, we have 49 followers now? We're, we're growing, guys. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we got a couple just topics as we usually like to do, ramble on about things and things come up. So um, first things first, you guys doing good tonight? Doing great. Good, good basketball weekend. Better, better than I expected. It, I mean, it was a, it was a day for a Monday kind of commuting, mm. actually commuting to work, which is, I mean, more rare than I would like it to be for me. I, I like to, I live in Jersey City. Would like to get into New York three days a week. It never happens. Uh, but started the week off right, and then just kind of got dragged to hell by clients because they're clients today. So, mm. but I, I, I generally when that happens, I feel like. By the end of the day, I'm ready to just ghost you guys, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I've, I've been living su- like super healthy the last couple of weeks, so I mean that is going to improve you in all sorts of ways, right? Mentally, physically, make you more resilient against the uh, the the tasks of the day. So I'm feeling yeah. good. I'm ready to do this. Nice. Yeah. I had uh, it's free cone day at Dairy Queen, and uh, <laughs> my wife, of course, wanted a blizzard because that's what my wife does on free yeah. cone day. So I I ate two ice cream cones so well, i'm feeling right so, so andrew's right, living though. super healthy chris is going the other route yeah <laughs> yeah i hit the double cone and we'll see what happens nice all right well um we can kind of jump in to i guess the the first suggested thing um cff jared he posted on twitter he said i think y'all should discuss your favorite rule changes for leagues the CFF game is constantly evolving. Which recent changes do you like? And which ones do you not? Now, we talked a little bit before we went live that like there's not a whole lot that we um, necessarily implement this year. But um, the thing we did implement in, well, in our dynasty is having like three contingency spots for um, injuries or opt-outs or whatever the heck, like you know, late scratches. Um, how do you guys generally feel about that? So I, I I somewhat think about it through the lens of kind of similar to when I set up, when I when I work on projects on behalf of customers for the SaaS platform that I work on, like one of my guiding principles is I can't set up something that's going to kill the value prop for them in the sense that I can't create more work for them than it would be and then like the they just end up churning they end up leaving uh, like us as customers and then that's not great so similar like when i think about like what's gonna be best for, for a league and I, I i i never want any responsibility in leagues because i i always want to be one of the people i always just want to be a competitor i don't want to feel like i have any level of control over the league and like contained it in any way like i never want to commish um but when i'm like voting on stuff or like trying to just think about what's gonna be the best for the league Generally, I don't want to put more work on the commissioner's plate because I feel like that's just bad for the, the long-term health of the league. Um, 
and if it's a league I, I enjoy, like that's probably not for the, the best. Just like put to just put something forth for the short term that's going to end up killing the league. You're built different, right? You actually like to commission, which is like it doesn't make any sense to me. Weird, um, but most people kind of see it as like an administrative chore to actually run, run a commission really. Well, uh, I'll say this as, as speaking to that, like I like to commission not because I like the extra work and the, the headache that it brings sometimes, but I like there's like when I'm setting up a league, like I hate being in a league where I'm like, man, I wish they did this. Or like, I wish they did this. Like, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. And I'll have people, if they want to play, do it. If not, not like, this is a complete dictatorship, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just feel like I've joined so many leagues where like they do four points for passing touchdowns. Like, God, who does that? You know? So, um, anyways. I thought we did for the longest time. But I guess <laughs> you and Andrew both. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We do six. Um, no, just things like little scoring tweaks. And then like, if I want to kind of play with scoring, I can, um, just the little tweaks. And obviously I don't make like this, I'm going to make a change and then that's it. Like I usually run it by everybody in the league. We take a vote. And if you guys still vote it down, I try to still tweak it in a way. So I'm going to change something, but it may be not in the original form, but anyway, that, that's my. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the idea of like, I, I'm in another, I'm in a redraft league that also does something similar with the, uh, the idea that you can declare players that will swap in in the event of uh, a, scra- a late scratch or something along those lines. They do it with, you just email the commission the, sometime during the week. I, I always forget. Everyone forgets. Last year in the playoffs, I actually remembered. I sent it in, and I had a guy get scratched who I started, and then all my subs got scratched as well, so it was great. Um, so that's how I went down in the playoffs in that league. And I had a total monster team, too. Yeah. But um, – I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand why those things are great, but I mean, I am I, like, I enjoy so many of the idiosyncrasies and just things that uh, are imperfect about college fantasy football that I'm cool mm-hmm. kind of leaning into to in that extent. Yeah. Nate, Nate, right. CFF Nate, he's all about uh, season long managed leagues that you don't set ras- rosters that you actually are best ball, which I mean, I would like to play one just to see what it's like. I, I think like my, I think in a lot of ways, my strengths and my style of how I play would fit perfectly with that. Like I never win your league for one reason. I, I don't really know the rules, right? But <laughs> another, I'm not, I'm not good at, I'm not that good at game day decisions in your league. And I generally build my, and, or I generally build my team in your league through, the person of just collecting talent and collecting a lot of wide receiver talent more specifically, which I mean, with wide receivers being more volatile, like I'm usually try, trying to figure out which of these 14 guys can fit into seven, seven spots. And I always right. choose wrong. That's um, the same so, way. I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. I would say I don't mind the rule. I think we do three and that feels like the right amount. You know, it's like, I basically, when I do it, I don't know if I'm doing it right or whatever, but I just pick a quarterback, a running back, and a receiver. That way, you know, I'm covered, right? Go figure. That's like probably a- what I should like declare. Make everybody do one of each. That way, there's no like oh, three receivers. How do you pick between them? I I always just say the lowest scoring of it, so it's not like you're getting like you can pick three home run hitters and like one pops and you take him. Yeah, <laughs> like it gives you that like upside ability, that shot at something crazy. 
I mean, the best ball idea is interesting because it kind of eliminates the need for that rule of like, you know, designate, right? It just completely gets rid of it. Um, But I'm kind of like you guys, like, I don't, not necessarily that I'm like good or bad at picking the matchups and which one to, you know, play. I just don't, like, I pay attention so much to daily fantasy in the morning on Saturdays that like, I, the first thing I think of is like, shoot, I got to get all these, fix all these lineups before 12 o'clock. And then I don't even think about my dynasty teams. So I'll say that's why I always lose is that I'm just more focused and I don't play the matchups right. But I don't know. We play in like the gen enough leagues where, you know, like ideas of expanding rosters and stuff like that have like already been done. Mm-hmm. And we already start a ton of guys anyways. Like already like 20 eight. leagues. So we're in yeah. like your seven or eight. Like after about three or four years, you've kind of made all the drastic changes you're probably going to make. I would say one thing that was really big in this CFB winning edge um, league that we're in, I think, Andrew, you're in that, aren't you? No, I'm not. I think, okay, yeah, yeah, you're not. Mike and Josh, a bunch of the guys are. And it became this crazy, for lack of better words, well, I don't want to make it not safe for work, crapshoot of what was happening because people would just trade, like, in week 10, the trade deadline had just finally hit and people were trading – like a second rounder for like Kenneth Walker. And it was like, well, this is just becoming stupid. Like yeah. teams that had built their team really well. And I mean, I exploited it too, just because everybody else was. So I think it, if there's a rule that I like for dynasty, it's like implement something where you're the, tra- the trade deadline's super early, yeah. not like week one or two, obviously, but like week four or five or six where that tanking is, you know, a little bit harder to do because yeah. there's a lot like, of time left. We all know who tanks and who's not. Like you know who's got like looking at everybody's roster, you could say, okay, this team has no shot, they're gonna tank, right? Um I I probably should move the trade deadline up. I think last year was like weeks week eight or something like that. I kind of felt like it should have been a week or two earlier than that. Yeah. Um but you know, that's something that's something you can change though, kind of on the fly. Like going into the season, you say, Okay, this is the trade deadline. Like that's not that's not something that people would be like, Oh man, it was week eight last year. Why is it week seven? Like it's usually Yeah. If you change your dynasty league to a best ball format like Nate's talking about, you need to give it a couple of years, maybe at least one season before you can do it. But something like a trade deadline is well, like in our dynasty, like, we had to make it to where you couldn't add players. Like once the playoffs started, because all the teams that didn't make the playoffs were like cutting all their seniors, grabbing all these guys for next year, and it kind of it kind of ruins the whole dynasty part of it. Because like people, the people that are in the playoffs aren't going to start cutting their seniors. They're 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 winning for now, and everyone else is building like for next year. So you yeah, have to well, cut. there's so much eligibility here. these days, right? Like think yeah. about guys that are. But your point is right, right? Like, even if you have an early trade deadline, you're like, what's the point of holding a fifth or sixth year senior? But like Jack- you make that cut in week six versus week 10. Yeah, we do this. At, we, we had, we vetted this out and nauseam in my home league. And we, our trade deadline is now, it's always mid October. Uh, it's around like that week seven ish mm-hmm. thing. And it works pretty well. It definitely forces people into making more interesting decisions. Wes's league, Chris, played out the exact same way with people just doing ridiculous stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. I I think it's like for 
for Elite to like be in its best place. It's super important for that to, to kind of be uh, that setting to be done right. Now, you know, like in our dynasty, um, it's not really a rule change, but like, have you noticed as the years have gone by, there's not like all these, like this frantic trade period from like January to April where I could, but first few years, it was like you, every day there was like two or three trades. It seemed like that's now, I was offering all the trades. <laughs> so now it's like, everybody's real quiet. And then it gets to like June, July, then it starts heating up and people start making those trades as you know, after spring practice and then leading into the fall camps. Um, but no, like the trade deadline is the big issue, but I, I wanted to bring that up because I thought I've noticed that the last couple of years. Um, so, okay. So I guess as far as other changes, like Chris and I were talking before you got here, Andrew, that, um, it really just depends on your league, like what rule changes work, because like we said earlier, like we start two quarterbacks in our league, but we have 20 teams in our league. Starting three really starts to test like who has a really great team and who doesn't. I tried to stage a coup in your league for multiple years that pushed us from two to three. Like I, I, I feel pretty strongly that if you like, if you're only starting two quarterbacks in almost every league, you're not hitting the player pool to enough where yet you're having to make materially difficult decisions, both from a draft, from a free agency perspective, and from a, a, a week-to-week roster setting perspective. Like you need to be running out three quarterbacks in there or having a really large amount of teams in your league. Well, I somewhat agree, but – you also don't want the whole league to be like quarterback dependent. Like if you have three quarterbacks that you're starting and they're all good, it doesn't really matter who you picked as your running backs and receivers. But we also have so many running backs and receivers start that like, if your running back one is pretty average, what's going to happen in your flex spots. Yeah. It's It's interesting with the 20 teams, we have two starters um, but like, I think I know Bainbridge is a big proponent of it. Like you have to have a stud quarterback. So I think you end up still. He says that, but he's not walking the walk anymore. Have you noticed all his drafts? He's trying to be one of the cool kids now and not taking quarterbacks <laughs> early anymore. He used to be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Maybe Ooh, I don't. Did he now he's heavy receivers. He's heavy yeah, receivers. Did he and, maybe... data and finally realized that that narrative he was trying to drive home just wasn't any good. <laughs> Will you take that up with him? If I say something about championships with him, he gets all mad because I won one. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a good pivot to best ball because I know the other question was based around yeah. best ball strategy. From Heath T. Boyd on Twitter. Who put together some good numbers to make me look above average about Corey Rucker. Yeah, I was going to get to that, but if you want to – I mean, Heath's like the man. He's in the he's in the 50-team the league that you guys aren't cool enough to be in anymore. Um, but and he did some of Jared's best balls as well. It took like a, he had like ten followers going into like all of last year, and I followed him because I was like this guy, this guy's cool as shit and knows his shit. And it took him a year and change to get back to me. You think you think I would have enough political capital to drag the follow out of him sooner than that? But apparently not. You got to work for it, man. Like yeah. the work he puts into those. But stats. now he's he's finally like active on Twitter and showing up, show, showing showing out. So good for him. Yeah, well, he made an interesting point, basically calling Corey Rucker average. 
Yeah. But I think it's kind of calmed down. I think people got so jacked up about like some college news with a guy that people knew that all of a sudden it's like he's some superstar, awesome player. Where is he going to go? Yet he still hasn't gone anywhere. And now people are like, he, sh- he should go to Texas State or Utah State or South Alabama. Yeah. All were the options and it makes sense. But it, at first it was like, well, maybe he's going to Ole Miss or, you know, maybe he's going to follow this, that, and the other. And now it's kind of died down to. You Utah took him State. super. You took him early in the last draft we did, right? Well, I didn't think it was early, but apparently it was. So it was pretty early. It was like six I took him back. sixth round. Well, I just figured this was two weeks ago. Yeah. And I just was kind of thinking, well, if he hits the right spot, like that's a great. Yeah. But it just depends. He's got to hit the right spot. Yeah. That to, could, no it could go. It, yeah. It could go well. It could go. It could go pretty poorly. Yeah. That whole Rucker thread. I I definitely got that notification, and I'm like, oh man, this guy went. Yeah, he's the Hey, you know what? That's what we love here. <laughs> so best ball strategy, Andrew. I was trying to think of like what my firm answer would be. I I have a loose idea of what I like, but what do you have a, an idea of what you want to do each and every best ball? Um, I mean, my overarching strategy is is slash has been pretty consistent since we started playing best best ball, which is just lean into the things that I feel strongly about um, and try to avoid kind of going with uh, the, the the crowd to that extent and just forth and taking players that are quote unquote falling or just basing uh, moves that I make based on prevailing opinions. Like, and, and the, the reason for that really is it, in my opinion, like CFF uh, ADP, anything that kind of uh, any way you want to really phrase that or think about it is super inefficient because the information we have is so generally poor, right? And as a result of that, as opposed to other sports like the NFL, right? I think that there's just going to be so much more that is wrong um, uh, uh, with everyone's draft. Like so many, every, everybody's going to get so many things wrong. So I just wanted to lean the things of that, I, lean into the opinions that I feel like are going to be right and base my drafts upon those. Um Overall, this year, I mean, I, I feel like I have been going pretty running back heavy early on uh, in most drafts. Like, we, I mean, we've basically been doing two types of drafts, you and I, of Chris, like the ones that Mike runs that are um, half PPR and then uh, Greg's insane, like full <laughs> PPR, but two PPR for tight ends. And even in the, but even in the only, we've only done one of those so far, but I love those drafts. I love Greg's format. Um, but even in that one, I, I, I went more heavily than most, I think on running back so far. So, and it's basically just because for possibly just as a result of, I haven't truly dug into a lot of the running back situations, but I just felt, I feel more confident in identifying receivers later than I do running backs later in my draft. So I, I generally, I like to work backwards when it comes to filling out, uh, my draft vision, I'll figure out my end game picks for the the back half of the draft. And then I'll use that to inform what I want to do from a structural perspective earlier on. So if I, if I feel really strong about like six, six, seven wide receivers, I want to take later on and, and uh, then, okay, then I maybe only need like three receivers uh, earlier on in the draft. And maybe I only like uh, a couple of eight round running backs. Well, then that probably means that I need to go heavier on running back earlier on. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Andrew. Like 
I've gone pretty heavy running backs too. Um, depending on where I pick, I see what quarterbacks are available, and I might I might grab one. But if if I don't feel like the value's there, I'll grab another running back. I, I think one of them. I've only been in two so far, but I think one of them I went running back, running back, running back, and I didn't I didn't feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, like you said, receivers. You feel like you know you've got a bunch of guys that you you like that you feel that you can get later that might plan out for you. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of right there with you at the same strategy, honestly. Um, but with this 35 round ones that we did, right? Like when you get down past round, I'd say 20, 20 25, you start just saying, okay, where, when did I take this guy last draft? Let me see how long I can go until I don't take him, like until he's still there. Do you guys do that? Feels like it, yeah. Like when you do that was some of the things that they were thinking about. Like some of the guys were making comments. I I kind of compare it to like a rookie draft in the off season, like a freshman draft, where mm-hmm. it's like the first, you know, pending how big your league is, maybe three rounds. So like anywhere from forty five to sixty picks, maybe mm-hmm. to seventy five. So maybe like fourth round. There's like a legit. These are the 60, 70 guys that are going to be picked. But mm-hmm. then what you end up finding is, it, again, complete crap shoot afterwards. You mm-hmm. can take a guy in the fifth round and, that you probably could have gotten in the ninth round of a rookie, like a freshman draft. Like the value of those picks is just so wildly crazy. It's almost like what's a fifth rounder doesn't matter. Just have four and nine. You know, four in the ninth round, you're probably going to get something similar. Yeah. Um, but I think Andrew's not here to defend it, not defend it, but comment on it. But a good point on the ADP stuff, like we're super early to begin with, yeah. but we've also kind of like, and I, I love it because there's a lot of like random crazy people that I just, I'm now I'm following that just give good info or just interesting info. Maybe if I don't yeah. even think it's right, it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot, anyway. make, yeah. And there's a lot of like good stats and value behind it that I'm just like, Oh, well, I don't know if I agree with it, but it, it's, it seems like you worked hard at it, and I can respect mm-hmm. that. But it's like now we're getting like these C2C, the Debbie, and the CFF guys. So the ADP of these things is wild sometimes mm-hmm. where, you know, some C2C guys get in a best ball, and all of a sudden these random guys are getting picked a little bit earlier that are just a little bit more atypical. Um, so I think the ADP data is kind of, especially in – March right now is pretty bad. Let me ask you this. So when you are drafting, let's say a guy that you really like, do you take him early or, or late to, I guess, manipulate ADP in a way? Like, do you try, do you think about that? Like you, you get what I'm, I'm asking. I may, may not. I don't think there's really a way to, manipulate it neg- like in your favor because you're just not going to end up getting them potentially, right? Yeah. Like if there's a guy that you – like you can take the risk to wait, but I think a lot of people do the opposite. Well, like, like I think Andrew's track- probably the same way. Yeah. If this is my guy, I'm going to get him. I don't care. Yeah. Well, so. like the fan tracks takes – you know, they whenever they come out with the ADP data, like do they – I'm assuming they take these drafts into account, right? These ones in Probably anything on the platform. There, there. I, I can guarantee you, their ADP is not sophisticated. Like they need to add more 
filters, more ways to segment the data and allow you to adjust for that relative to your league settings um, when you want to actually understand and interpret ATP, ADP, ADP data. I'm sure right now it's just like a, a straight average of this guy across all the leagues. Like, I, it, right, you, yeah. Like, well, based on what we saw in terms of like yeah. the weird numbers. That, that's kind of my, that's kind of goes with my point about ADP data, just generally speaking, right? Like the C2C guys are probably taking the guys that are legit, but maybe, well, it's more like in these Twitter polls where it's like, who would you rather have? And people just aren't being specific enough with the, with what they're asking that like you get one crowd voting one way, which is right to, you know, right, but it's just not the right format. So then you see all this like mixing and matching. It's just very interesting, but. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, there was another topic we wanted to discuss, and I don't remember what it was, but best ball strategy. Oh, I did want to say that I, I'll just come out and say, like, I'm not a huge fan of best ball. I'll, I'll do them, but I'm not a big fan. I, you guys do a way more than I do. Um, I prefer the whole choosing a lineup thing Andrew was talking about earlier. Um, mainly because it it, it kind of puts you in a more managing situation versus here's my team, the best players are picked. I don't have to do any any managing of that team. Um, and I guess that's what I enjoy about um, college fantasy anyway. But I figured I'd throw that out there because there's probably people that are the same way. The perspectives I look at it are primarily – best ball well I, I guess two things one i mean as much as it pains me to admit i don't know everything when it comes to college football and college fantasy football and people we play with in these leagues are really mm-hmm. smart so it definitely informs uh your, your research and your strategy and stuff like that so it's beneficial in that mm-hmm. way but also more most primarily um i would say like i spend a ton of time researching all this stuff investing my time in this and i want to see that translate uh to hopefully financial gain right and you like just do through in-season managed leagues it's really tough to get down enough money to actually feel make it feel like it's worth it for all the time that you're investing into this so this allows me an outlet to actually uh get more money down on these players and these takes that i have and hopefully translate that to some cash i also like like i'm fucking sadistic i like to build a, a spreadsheet that show that tracks all of my best balls every, and every week update how I'm doing in all of them. And like it, I was doing it every single Sunday last year, like Sunday morning, wake up, go to, go to ballet with uh, my daughter and like uh, intermittently at, as she's kind of doing that, I'm updating my best balls and like seeing how, how I'm, how better or worse I'm faring relative to previous weeks. That is it. That's uh, Andrew move, but I think it's smart though, right? Like, this is the time of year where there's nothing going on. So like mm-hmm. it allows you to be able to get more money in on the action. And it also is like entertainment because it's March and like, what else are we doing? You know, Definitely. For a couple of months, it's going to be dead of summer baseball. If you're following, it's been two months, you know? So I don't, I mean, I'm, I like it. It's just something fun to do. I mean, a lot of it's not like a crazy amount of money unless you play a lot of them. Or like you're just very successful at it, and that's just not. I'm not playing a ton of them, nor am I very successful at them. So, <laughs> but you're in the you're in the Greg Champion series, though. 
Well, yeah. You got I roped. Mean, you got peer pressure. I, I mean, he told me who else was in it, so I had to do it. It yeah. is the, nice. to go back to it with the the tight end premium. It's just insane. It's the best. Kyle I, went Brock Bowers and Michael Mayer as his first two picks, and I was like, "That's actually not a horrible idea." Yeah, not with yeah. double PPR. No. So something Andrew said, other than making me now tag this podcast as explicit, um, he said something that I've asked a question in our chat was a few days ago, maybe yesterday actually. Um, about college fantasy football in general. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about it going mainstream and all that stuff. And I and I pose the question of, do you think CFF loses a lot of the reasons we like it if it becomes mainstream? And what I was kind of meaning by that was, like, we love the grind of digging for the information. We um, that It's not just handed to us, and you use that to your advantage. Um, and then Andrew replied, actually, I'd let, I'd like Andrew to give his, his take on it. Like, cause you said I had it in the reverse order. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, w- I wish I could, uh, I've got it right here. You'll be to read it. it as eloquently as I, it was running through my head at the time, but it's cause you said it becomes more mainstream because it right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good point. Okay. So, I mean, for so many of the people that are not presently our audience, right? I think that the like the a, a an outlet, a gateway to getting those people into college fantasy, right, is removing a lot of what I mean. A, any sane person would admit as is our barriers to entry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, real depth charts that actually have meaning, real injury reports uh, before games, leading up to games, stuff of that ilk. Um, I think all that stuff is part of what makes college fantasy great personally. And I also think it lends itself to there being a real edge that can be established uh, from at least with, from the perspective of how I play the game. So I think that while those things like would most likely translate to the game being more mainstream, I think they would compromise in my opinion, what makes the game great. But so I'm going to just derail this topic uh, right now. Do you, you remember, right like days before DFS became like a presidential topic in whatever election that was, I guess, 2016, right? Mm. Like Bruce Feldman and whoever he was, who he was writing with at the time, like these people were putting college DFS lineups on their like Fox and ESPN, like content, like as close to front page, as close to as mainstream as you could possibly get. Like we were right on the cusp without compromising any of what I like to think of as makes college fantasy great. Like we were right there. And then regulation media that doesn't understand what they're talking about. All the, like that, that, like the DFS conversation was like the first time or one of the first times that I really realized that so many things that a lot of people whose job it is to cover a wide breadth of topics. Like it's impossible for these people to actually have the requisite knowledge to actually cover them in a way that even in any way mirrors the depth and the understanding of those topics that we do. Then they have to fake it and they have to pretend it's the same thing with like, when you hear like Stephen A. Smith talk about something like, I don't, I like living here in New York. I've heard Stephen A. Smith do broadcast radio for when he has, when he used to have like a, a, a show in 
the NYC area and just mm -hmm. do radio and talk basketball. It's awesome. The dude knows basketball. But when you ask him to cover all these different topics in sports, of course he's gonna like it's not he's not it's not gonna be the same quality. Um, so, but I think we saw that play out when that like DFS came into the mainstream and became a hot topic in presidential election, which is like still like impossible to even fathom that that actually happened. But when that happened, right, we were we were right there to like having college DFS be a thing that like was that was part of mainstream society, and then it had to go and run away and hide again. So I don't know because because we were right there to shifting the paradigm and without having the compromising any of the things that I feel make the game great, it makes me question, do we actually need to have these, uh, th these things that we feel like need to happen and would arguably ruin the product? Do they need to happen to rope in more people? It's probably the easiest path, but yeah. I don't know how necessary it actually is. I don't know what needs to change mm -hmm. to get us back to where we were, which is the place I remember so vividly. Um, like, I feel like some, some things probably need to happen. I don't know what they are though. I think two points on that would be um, I think you can have like the injury announcements and stuff and not ruin anything. Right. Like I, but I think you're right. Like a lot of the cool parts of like looking in the off season right now, the, the cool part about college fantasy football is like, like I, every time I see miles price get drafted, like the second or third round, I'm like just baffled, but then like I get proven wrong and I, or yeah. maybe I get proven right. Like that's a whole fun conversation to have. And we don't necessarily have that if everybody knows a proven, hey, this guy's starting or this is the depth chart and all that. Well, um, real quick, I want to jump into that. Like the NFL, you only have 53 active players, right? Right. College, I don't think is, – is there a limit? Like I'm sure there's a limit, right? But I know there's, there's like 80 scholarships. There's 80 scholarships, but you have walk-ons and you, you have got like 100 guys on the team. Yeah, you can have 100 guys on the team, and there could be a guy that's a walk-on who yeah. they have not talked about at all, and he's starting in the slot. I mean, like that's the kind of stuff that happens, but you would only maybe know that if you dug into that team's spring practices or yeah. the – The thing that – when I think about the edge that I gain from college fantasy football, it's because so much is difficult to quantify at so many parts of the cycle of a college fantasy football season. Eventually there's enough information where people like Chris can plug into their spreadsheets and do well. Um, right. But that's not the case. I think most of the time and a, a counter argument to like some of the stuff I was saying is, well, that's always kind of probably kind of be the case because of the, uh, the obvious reality of college football, where like these guys are only, on the team for upwards of seven or eight years at this point, but generally four, right? So it's yeah. not like NFL where um, there's so much – maybe consistency is not the right word, but there's so much – like you can generally plug uh, stuff into spreadsheets and spit out solid ADP, solid proje projections. Going mm -hmm. into a college fantasy season, I think it's extremely difficult. I mean, uh, I, Chris, how – how quickly do you feel like your projections actually start to like, uh, there must be some convergence in terms of new information coming to light that makes your projections more mm. closer to like, to, to reality, right? Like I assume week one, I, you're a little farther off than where you are like as the season goes on. Right. Yeah. I would say like week one, it's more, if I know who the running, like if I get it right for snap counts for like a running back or something or like a receiver 
like I'm in a better spot than everybody else, but there's so many times, but what that leads you to is I think this is how it's going to play out. And then I have a ton of them and that's not how it plays out. So I get, I'm just toast, but then I also like nail this, I nail that, but it doesn't necessarily even matter because I got 40% of a lineup. That's got a guy with four points. Um, It takes, I mean, it's gotta be 10 weeks before I feel like, because if you look at all the percentages of snap counts and targets and, you know, you have the first four games are against garbage teams. So that numbers are, those numbers are skewed. I mean, it takes almost a full season before you can really start to feel like you have it. But I mean, that everybody's in the same boat is the thing, right? So it's more, I think at that point, you have to figure out your style of play. Like, are you the, the type that goes kind of all in? Where it's like I'm I'm banking and betting on myself, or am I gonna play the field, like play the median game a little bit and not necessarily go heavy or heavier than you would like on a certain guy? But it's college. I mean, these guys like out of nowhere will not play <laughs> or you know, like have three touchdowns. Like that's just kind of that's kind of like what makes college fantasy football cool, right? Is like we laugh about these guys that score five five touchdowns, like Jarrett Patterson going for like 80 points one week. Uh, or that who was that Colorado State running back that was just amazing? Like Bibbs? Yeah. Capri Bibbs, Bibbs, right? It was yeah. awesome. Like that was so fun, right? Yeah. So I think there's no changing that. I think in terms it was like the hot button question, I feel like the last 10 days was like, how do you make fantasy college football mainstream? And some of the ideas or some of the reasons of why it's not mainstream or how to make it mainstream make a lot of sense. But one of them that like was thrown out was like, well, you can just change the format of how you play, like make your roster smaller or only do P five because right. The general public doesn't want to have to figure out who the running back for Colorado state is. And Oh, by the way, you got it wrong or because, or you didn't even know to roster that guy and he had five touchdowns and you automatically lose. So like it kind of comes back to bite. But like, I don't want to sacrifice leagues, and then I don't, I'm not playing in every league, so it doesn't matter. But it it takes away the uniqueness of fantasy college football, and that New Mexico State might win one game this year, but like their running back might be a top ten running back in the country. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it too is in college, their lineups can change week to week based on tons of factors right? Kids academically ineligible, or he had a great week at practice. Freshman showed out at practice. They're going to give him snaps. Where in the NFL, it's, this is, this is the line. This is the depth chart right here. This is the the active roster. You know, the third wide receiver, he's going to play. You know who the receivers are that are going to play versus in college. Like, yeah, you know who the the main guys might be, but they're still in those kind of the, kind of driven by money right like in in baseball some there was a interesting quote or mini anecdote about how this minor league baseball player anonymously was like minor league baseball is kind of brutal or messed up because i could be great it doesn't matter they just gave this guy two million dollar signing bonus at a high school so he's gonna play and you kind of get that in the nfl right like if the lions pay up 15 million for a receiver like i guarantee you he's gonna be a top two or three receiver but like you said zach like in college anything could happen a lot of these coaches for the most part not all of them obviously 
like just want to win and they, mm-hmm. they're totally cool with with replacing a guy if it's not working out whereas you know the other is not necessarily the case i'm in i was talking with brian um with cfb dynasty and like he has a group text and he was asking these kind of like what are the barriers to entry and stuff i'm not going to go over all of them but somebody said that for example like with coaches not giving information like they only give what they want to give there's not like they don't have to talk about injuries they don't have to talk about you know lineups they don't have to, they don't have to give you anything or you, and somebody says or they do crap to throw people off like hawaii quarterback warming up with mcdonald's jersey on <laughs> i forgot about that one <laughs> like that's that stuff doesn't fly in the nfl they're not going to go for that but in college, it's like it's completely fair game. We're gonna just throw off the other team, like oh he's he's playing, and then he's really in the locker room, <laughs> you know. Or like that few podcasts ago, you were talking about CD Lamb, yeah. How he says he's playing, he's like all hype before the game, he's gonna play, and then he doesn't do anything. That one still stings. But you didn't have to bring that one up, Zach. <laughs> but no, it, it kind of goes to the point. Whereas. Like in the NFL, they would have to declare whether he's what his injury status is. Yeah. Whereas at Oklahoma, they could say, "Oh yeah, he's perfectly fine, perfectly healthy, and he doesn't even get snaps." Like I think did Boise do that with Hank Bachmeyer? Oh yeah, he's healthy, he's good to go, and then he's like he's not even dressed out. Yeah, the injury stuff is like a, it's a combination with the coaches, right? Like when like Blake Corum was, you know, of course he's going to be healthy and getting a bunch of snaps. It's been like four weeks, three weeks since he has <laughs> like, since we last heard that he was really close to playing yeah. and then you only heard positive things and then he gets like 10% of snaps. So like that stuff is always going to be frustrating. That's what makes it. And I also wonder like in college, like these coaches kind of ride the hot hand versus we're in the NFL. Like these guys are, making this big money it's like i gotta give this guy the ball we're paying him eight or i look like yeah or i look like an idiot or i right. make my gm look like an idiot or as like in college you college this kid comes up and he's just lighting it up at practice it's like why not give this kid some touches like you know he's earned it versus yeah. the NFL. i mean they run 100 plays you could <laughs> sacrifice five yeah i think there's a lot of we could go talk about barriers entry and all that kind of stuff is why it's so much different but um, I did want to throw that in there because I felt like it was something kind of hot this week that people had talked about. Um, you guys have anything to add to that? Nothing to add. Comprehensive. Yeah, you could do this for hours on yeah, that yeah, whole yeah, subject. Um, other than that, I think that's short and sweet tonight. If we, unless you guys have a different topic that you want to, <laughs> I we want to make a trade, man. Andrew oh. comes to me and says, yes. "I'm bored. Let's make a trade." I want Marvin, I want Mims, and I had to class, you know, we're at the point of the offseason where I'm like, wait, I have a Mims? Which Mims do I have? And I realized <laughs> Marvin Mims. And so I came to Andrew with, I believe, a very fair offer. Mm. It's, a great, this- it's a great offer. And Ontario Brown for Marvin Mims, right? I this mean, is straight up. Here, let's go, let's go through some pros and cons. Like, I have, a, I'm starting to, like, to collate a in a proprietary fade list of players this year. It's about five, six players deep that I just want no part of on any of the teams I'm drafting from scratch this year. Brown's definitely one of them. Um, but the I I feel like he's got a lot of 
name value. A lot of people are on him, right? Such as yourself. So I feel I feel like I can kind of pick and choose what I can, want to get back for him. Uh, and in line with what I kind of articulated earlier about how I'm traditionally build my dynasty teams, I want to try and veer away from just stacking endless receivers in our college dynasty league because I – I know I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I'm just not that great at setting lineups every week. I'm probably going to screw it up when it counts. I do it every year. So I've got only three running backs right now, I think. Um, and it's basically the dude on UMass and Antaria. So trading away one of them to bring back Mims. I was hoping, I honestly was hoping you would just do something dumb and, and ask for something not that good for Mims, which I mean, I should have moved quicker if maybe it's Fantrax's fault for not being up early enough before Mims started moving up boards in a lot of the drafts. I mean, I, I've been, it's my fault. I've been kind of pushing him up myself a little bit with uh, some of the drafting we've been doing. Uh, but I mean, I, I kind of feel like the entire, I have no true incentive to move to do this right now in the sense that I feel like Ontario is going to continue to keep building up. Your team is stacked with receivers, so you'll probably continue to be cool to move Mims. Um, I feel like I probably just sit tight for now. If the idea is to just keep it to Ontario for Mims, I, I see what it, how how the spring can, plays out, or if I get super bored, I'm going to a wedding next weekend, so I'll be blasted all weekend. So maybe that's the, the point of where we actually get to the finish line. Uh, but for now, I, I I feel like really it's just the, it, the main thing is I I want to try and actually I want to actually try and do something in in this league this year when it comes to playoff time and continuing to just build with receivers probably is a good do it. I, I tried to I I think I already mentioned I, I tried to move. Uh, worthy tonight, Xavier Worthy for Travion Henderson, and that'll kind of rectify that problem a little bit if I get that done. Then maybe, maybe I pull the trigger here as well to kind of because uh, I'll be feeling a little bit about where I'm at from a running back perspective. Even so, what I'm trying to say is it was my idea, and now I'm saying no for the for the immediate back and off. I think your running back group's a little bit better than you're giving it though. Keaton Thompson, do we think he keeps running back status? Who knows? It's fan tracks, dude. Like I you got like Braden a- Bennett. He's I forgot. Good. Yeah, I do have. I do have Braden. And you have Merriweather. It's not this. It's not the sexiest yeah. of, of running back groups. It's not where you want to be. Like, but I mean, but you probably have three flex. Them. You got to play. You got no, a, a, a ton of of receivers. Yeah, you can play. I, I've made this. I've made this mistake before, where at the positions like running back and quarterback in leagues like this one where it's like, oh, you just start two. You have three and you're good to go. And then two weeks into the season, one's benched, another's hurt, and you're <laughs> skimming the waiver wire for like the for street trash. Um, so I, I, I would like to avoid that scenario. As confident as I am in my ability to kind of find uh, find gold on, on waivers uh, generally. And I like – that maybe this kind of dovetails into another reason why I like best ball uh, so much as well. Like once the season starts, it's a whirlwind of rec- week after week, like trying to carve out like I, I've got the calendar invites for myself set to like put in the time to actually do waiver claims and stuff like that. And I've gotten a little bit better at it, but I mean, my calendar is only getting crazier year after year with like personal and professional stuff. Right. So trying to find the time to do waiver claims. I know that that I, I feel more confident in my, ability to assess pre-draft and in the off season than I do in my ability to manage a team effectively in season. So that's another reason for why I kind of lean, I lean so heavily into best ball. 
So let me ask you. I'm not going to do it, but I was. This was the other player I was entertaining it for. It's another running back, but like for me, I don't have a reason to trade Mims because I like I obviously would need him starting, and my depth is a little bit thin. So if I'm going to move somebody, I need to do it with the purpose. So my thought is like I can get rid of a, a great receiver, but I need someone with two years back, and I'll take a little bit of risk. In, st- in hopes that maybe I get two years because I'm going to lose a ton. Like literally, Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, Jordan Addison, Keyshawn, Booty. Life is tough to be Chris. Valdez <laughs> is probably gone. You know, like a lot of old guys. So I'm thinking, where can I get young? Would you have said yes to Braden Bennett, Coastal Carolina? Dude, you're coming for my my my, my child, my boy. I know, but I I got to ask. This is you know like the. The problem, the problem that I've encountered in our league—it's not not in all leagues. Um, like I, because I'll, I'm I've, I'm pretty good at just like acquiring talent. That like I both do truly like love so many of these players, and then I just refuse to trade them. But also like I'll end up with players that I drafted just because I like I think they'll be good and it's fine. It did pan out, but then I'll be cool moving them. But in our in this league, like this. In Zach's league, I have so many of my, my sons on my team that it, like it, it makes it problematic to actually trade. Like the most likely guy that I trade this offseason is probably Xavier Worthy, um, or and Ontario when the time is right for the right uh, for the right uh, the right pieces back. Like I'm not super attached to either of those guys, um, and but like so I, in this league, like Braden, you're coming for someone that's near and dear to my it's heart. Hard, no. Um, <laughs> just quickly realized, and this is going to just, expo- you know, really show how the gym we are. Did you guys know that Joseph Manjack traded a uh, transfer to Houston? I did. Nobody wanted to tell me. Do you own him? Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> why not get a receiver that, like, was a freshman and got snaps? But thank God he's out of there because there was, yeah. I mean, Brew McCoy is going to go back there, not to mention all the other guys they got. That's going to be good for him, right? Houston, I mean, yeah, it's just everyone's not the same all about. The they brought in successful. some absurd receiver recruit, Matthew Golden, that like all the the Debbie and two C guys are all over. Um, but it's like highest Houston recruit ever, right? Yeah, I feel like how how can you be higher recruited than Greenberry though? Greenberry was like a true yeah. five star, wasn't he? I think he was technically a four, like in some of the. Yeah, uh, I could be wrong. It sucks. He didn't, how did he not play, pan out in the NFL? Like, if you're like a four or five star and you put a production in CFB, you should you should be a first round pick. Like, what's the problem? Yeah. I, one I compared to him was uh, Green Beckham. I was literally just thinking Doriel Green Beckham, <laughs> and I remember like, oh man, he's gonna be a superstar, and then it yeah. just never happened. And like you, you give him the leash of like, okay, ne- next year he's gonna be great. And then you're like, okay, this is a senior year; he's gonna be awesome this year. And then it just doesn't happen. It's just they like both, he's just, he's just they both, okay. They both ended their college careers with like amazing bowl games, though. DGB in that weren't they in SEC championship or no? They I, were hitting some SEC championships uh, that like early to mid. Yeah, he. Like, I remember him having an incredible close to his college career, and Greenberry did too in the bowl game. He had like three touchdowns, and then was like, "Peace, I'm out." And everyone's like, "Dude, you're not. You're like." Projected to go on and draft it. Like, what are you doing? Um, Did you guys see the JT Daniels? Is there, are there rumors? Thoughts? 
the thought is that he's gonna he's down to West Virginia, um, Missouri. That's what just made me think about it. And one other school that's not all that just Oregon similar, State. Oregon State. Mm. With that being said, I mean, what would you want? If you if I were well, I think what I want as someone who's drafted him in every single league except for one of the like six or seven best balls I've done so far. I think what I want aligns to what I think will actually happen. Um, I think he goes to West Virginia. Like I would yeah. put them as a heavy favorite. Mm. I, I think it makes sense for so many reasons. Um, like Jared and Nate covered a lot of it on their podcast as well, right? That uh, like they're, the QB situation is like super unsettled there. Um, just stealing straight from what Nate was, sta- Nate was saying. Like the coach said something along the lines of like, we're not taking a transfer in the spring because we want to see what's good with the guys we have here. Basically, like that's a, like those guys aren't going to be good, right? So then you're just going to take JT in the summer. Graham Harrell's there. Uh, I'm who knows how they got along, but you got to figure like it didn't like the fallout at USC happened with for JT because he got hurt. He ripped it. What he ripped his leg apart, right? And then yeah. Slovis just came in and balled out uh, in the Fresno game. Up they upset Stanford, and he just runs away with the job. J, and then JT's out the door. Like what? But nothing about that suggests that he has a bad relationship with Graham Harrell. It's just like, that's what you got to do when you're a five-star and you lose your job to a true freshman. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, it makes so much sense. Like what, I don't know what, maybe there are connections to those other places, Missouri and Oregon state, but I think he, uh, he goes to West Virginia. I think that makes the most sense. And the, the CTC and like Jared and Nate did a great job of discussing like why it yeah. made so much sense. It's also pretty funny I don't know exactly when that quote was from the coach, but it's never a good sign when your coach says that. And then like a couple weeks later, it's like JT Daniels might go to West Virginia. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we already know how the spring went. We're not very, <laughs> not very thrilled with what's the guy's name. It's uh Dark green. green. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like a, that guy was just like, I don't know, probably a bad comparison, but he reminds me of just like a running around with his head cut off Tate Martell. Like, yeah, but whole, actually pretty solid at it. Yeah, he's like he's more known for his legs than his arm, right? Yeah, big yeah. time. I mean, he came and in it's over. An, it's an air raid offense. Like, what are we? What are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a bad fit, man. So nice. Well, I I was just reading through some some tweets about him. Apparently, he was at the Mizzou spring game this past weekend. Yeah. Yep, and he's supposed to visit West Virginia in April. So. If he doesn't commit to Mizzou by then. I have such a tough time forming real opinions about Mizzou because I feel like we've seen across recent memory so many different versions of mm. their offense in the sense that, like, okay, they didn't really have good quarterback play the past year at minimum, probably a little further back than that, right? So yeah. what we remember most recently is, like, super heavy running back uh, tailored schemes, but we also have, I mean, with a different coaching staff, I think like we have, yeah, different coaching staff, but like Mizzou has been fun in the past for fantasy perspective. Like they've thrown the ball around. Um, drink is from Boise originally, right? Sorry. Say that again. I was putting this comment up on the, uh, on the screen. Yeah, that, that, that comment's cool. But isn't Drinkowitz from Boise originally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the OC. And then, yeah, he, took, so, then he went to, what, 
NC not NC State. Yeah, it was an NC State one. Then he went became the app coach, right? Head coach or app? Yeah, app coach. I, I have like this awful taste in my ha- my mouth for Missouri offenses just because of recency bias and like how poor the the quarterback play has been. But I mean, I guess it's not really fair. I mean, Missouri's like. I mean, they've had a couple guys, but like a couple guys that feel more name than like actual production. Like, I feel like Missouri receivers are like 45 for 910 touchdowns. Like, yeah, like the big play guys, but they don't go mass volume to one. They, they but they've do. also had horrible quarterbacks. Like, they, they had, had a that, lot of guys with targets. Like, they, they, they look at their stats. Yeah. Did you have you seen their game logs from last year? Like, did these these game logs of receivers would run like 15 guys deep. Like part of it was probably like Mookie. I think Mookie Cooper was just like the idea was he was going to come in and be the, the wide receiver yeah. one last year, right? Cooper, and he hurt his foot in like week one or two, and like barely could play snaps the rest of the year. But Dug, like the, ism. I just played like literally. I think if I I could probably go back to our sheet that we were doing back in the day with projections, I would probably guess all like their top five guys were between ten and eleven percent targets, which yeah. is just never something. When you're Missouri, you're not scoring enough points to like make that a thing. But was it their one quarterback? Didn't he turn into like a safety for him? Like your boy uh, Sean Robinson. Sean yeah. Robinson. TCU. So yeah, that's not a good sign either. So it's hard to. That's the thing too, right? Is like you get all these these situations that for a couple of years just go in this black hole of horrible quarterbacks, and then all of a sudden you you're kind of skewed in terms of how good they actually can be offensively. And then, like you said, they changed coaches to someone that's definitely a producer for running back stats. Mm. So, yeah. All right. I think that's all we've got now, right? You guys don't have any more trades? Uh, no. I completely forgot about the trade. Can't, can't forget about the trade, man. <laughs> Snowballs and everything. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for the night. We went to about an hour again. So that's about what we normally do. So we're pretty consistent. Um, so Andrew's got a wedding next weekend. So next Monday might be real interesting. <laughs> we can, I have, we I can have talk two, about the trades that actually went down. I have a two day, two night fancy baseball draft that I think is that Sunday and Monday that I get back. So we'll figure out a date. Uh, but that, yeah. that's, that's, that's next week. That's next week. We'll worry we'll about figure, that. We'll figure something out next this week coming up for sure. All right, guys, I think that's all we got. So until next week, whenever we decide to do it, later. See you guys.